0: We are blessed today because I actually asked Lance Carpenter to to bring the Word today because this man is a prayer warrior. Apologize for that, but it's true. Um, He has a great heart for prayer and for what God calls us to. So I don't know if he's going to preach about that or not, but that's what I've invited him to do this morning. So Lance, would you come up, please, and bring the Word? Okay, Bill just lost a lot of credibility there. But uh, anyway, praise God. I mean, the worship service was just phenomenal so far. We're still going um, and when I say praise God, I mean I mean that praise God. I mean we can be kind of kind of flippant about that sometimes, but when we think about who God is, what He's done for us, and what He continues to do for us, He is deserving of our praise. Okay, well thanks for uh, coming this morning. First of all, I just wanted to make notice of my new look. Um, I thought I'd try and you know look the part here, uh, garner some some instant credibility for folks that don't know me. Um, if you're new here, I'm hoping that this is working. Uh, however, I, I, I talked to some people that do know me and they said, Lance, it's not working. You know, we, we know you. Uh, and there's a price to pay for false credibility. Um, it's really hot, Okay, so I gotta take it off. We're gonna lose the, the false credibility here. Um, you know, it's not, it's not about looks or anything. Um, if it was, I'd, I'd really be in trouble. Um, I've also got a little gadget here. I've got two hands full, one with a microphone, one with the little clicker thing. That way I can't talk with my hands. That way we won't be here like for four or five hours. Because if I start talking with my hands, who knows what's going to happen. Okay, like Bill said, we've been talking about what if the church asked boldly. And I think this is going to be a cool uh, study today. This is the scripture that it's in. It's from uh, Matthew 21, 18 to 22, page 690 in the Bibles that we have in the the chairs. And I'm just clicking through. Okay, here we go. And we're off. There it is. We'll go ahead and read this. It says, early in the morning as he was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing he is Jesus. Seeing a fig tree by the road... He went up to it, found nothing on it except leaves. Kind of like false credibility. Um, Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Obviously they're not from the Midwest. Um, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So, join me in prayer if you might. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called your children. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you uh, in every aspect of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for this Privilege of prayer that allows us to speak with you and hear you—it's uh, a two-way conversation. But Father, we thank you for that privilege. Um, it's just an awesome thing that we are able to do. I pray, Lord, for uh, for this word that you've given to us. I pray that it would penetrate our hearts and our minds. I pray that we would take it with us from here and uh, use it to be more faithful servants and to be more obedient in your calling in our lives. Father, I lift up each and every one of us, ask for an overabundant flowing of your Holy Spirit uh, in and through us, that we might be empowered to do the things that even we don't know that we can do in your name. Is it in your name we pray, amen. Okay, so, that's the scripture. Here's just kind of outline, this is my background, I apologize for those of you who are Greenville students, they're not going to have a test or anything at the end of this, okay, but it may seem more like a, a lecture than anything else, but... We'll go over some stuff, background, what happened, why it's kind of getting scripture, what's the point, so what. Um, and I think those are important things to talk about. So, background. Who, who are we talking about here? And, and I would offer that this is something you can do any time you're reading Scripture. You can take a look at the who, what, when, where. There's also a why and a how you can throw in there. But if you want to understand what's really going on, ask yourself those questions about the Scripture, and it might provide some, some uh, enlightenment. But anyway, who is it? This is Jesus and his disciples. What's going on? Uh, they're on their way back to Jerusalem. They were there the day before. Jesus was preaching in the temple. They're on their way back. There are some, uh, some scholars who believe that Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem for the night because they were fearful for their lives. It was getting pretty tense around that time. Um, so they're traveling back into Jerusalem. It's early in the morning. Okay. Um, And where are they? They're outside of Jerusalem, and there are a bunch of, you know, fig trees along the way. And it's important to note that that these fig trees were what were uh, called common property, okay? They didn't belong to somebody. They weren't in somebody's uh, orchard or garden or yard or anything like that. These were just fig trees growing all over the place or available for anybody to pick figs and eat them, okay? So that's kind of the background. That's what's going on here. So what happened? Um, First of all, Jesus was hungry. And and it's kind of cool to note that that's a signal or a a, a sign of his humanity. You know, Jesus was God in man man form. And he was hungry. You know, there are several instances throughout Scripture that talk about his human characteristics when he wept at Lazarus' death or notification of Lazarus' death. You know, a lot of things that Jesus did that, that proved to us that he was a man. Okay, and here he was hungry. Um, so he encountered the stand of fig trees, and one of them really distinguished itself because it had a lot of leaves on it. Now, when I was going through this, it was kind of interesting to see how many pages different Bible scholars devoted to just talking about fig trees. Okay, I mean, you can you can do a study on fig trees. I don't know how spiritual it would be, but, you know, you could study fig trees. There's a lot of them, uh, and there's some discussion about whether or not they were in season at this time of year, and, and all that kind of stuff. But the point is, he saw a fig tree that had a bunch of leaves on it. Okay, that's not in dispute, right? So when he went to it, he expected to see fruit. Um, when you see a fig tree with a lot of leaves on it, you kind of have this expectation, I'm going to get some fruit off of it. Okay? But there wasn't any. No fruit there. So Jesus cursed the tree and to never bear fruit again. It withered and died. Um, the curse took effect quickly, and it astonished the disciples. Okay, then the ne- next big thing that happened, Jesus taught. Okay, so that's what we're going to talk about. So why is this story in Scripture? Now, that's, that's a question that, that I ask myself a lot of times, especially with things that seem kind of, you know, out there, or kind of, you know, uh, unusual, or different, or, or even out of place sometimes. I say, so why is that here? Um, and I think that's a good question for us to ask. First of all, nothing is in Scripture without a reason, without a purpose. There is some reason for everything being in Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, everything in between. Um, the maps in the back and the index and all that, maybe not. But the actual word, Scripture, there is a reason for it. You know, and it says in uh, 2 Timothy 3, All scriptures God breathed useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in Righteousness. Okay, that's kind of what we're shooting for. Um, so that man of, the men of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That scripture sums up a lot of good stuff right there. So we, we can be confident that everything we read in scripture is there for a reason. So the question we should ask ourselves, what's the reason? Why is it there? And, and it may not be there for everyone for the same purpose. Okay, one of the miracles of, of the scripture is that it speaks to each one of us as individuals. It speaks to us where we are, uh, the things we're struggling with at the time, the, the issues that we're having to confront each and every day as individuals. Scripture is personalized. I kind of like to look at it like God wrote that for Lance. You know, he wrote it for me, and I believe he did. And so that means I can apply it to me. It's real, and, it, and it's there for a reason. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really good corporate stuff out there, too. God wrote scripture for his people, for the body of Christ, for us as uh, a group of folks. But it's it's really powerful to me that he wrote scripture for me. So what's, what's the reason it's there? So I have these questions here. I lied about the quiz. Okay, everybody take out your paper, and we're going to write down these questions and the answers to them. We'll collect them in the back. Um, now, what... So what does the account teach us about Jesus? What about Jesus can we learn from this particular story about him confronting this fig tree um, that is um, full of leaves but no figs, and he gets angry and curses it? Is that the Jesus that normally comes to people's mind when they're thinking about Jesus? The guy who gets mad and curses something and destroys it. I don't think that's what we normally think about when we think about the nature of Jesus. Um, but that's him, okay? It's there, it's indisputable. Um, that's an aspect of Jesus, Jesus the judge, okay? Jesus is going to be the judge of all mankind uh, in the final day, and we need to remember that. You know, we can't, um, we can't take the person of Jesus and parse him into those aspects of him that we like, and only that. Um, we have to take Jesus how Jesus is as a whole. The whole, the whole personhood of Jesus. And understand it. And, and realize that that's what we need to know about our God. Um, so he's a judge. And when he judges and judges rightfully, there are consequences to be paid. And that's one of the things we see in this story about the fig tree. Okay, the fig tree was created for what purpose? To bear figs. It didn't. So, it was destroyed. Okay? So that's one thing that this account teaches us about Jesus. Okay? Um, And and I think that's kind of an important thing for us to remember so that we don't create false images of who Christ is. So we don't create um, kind of romanticized things that are creations of what? Our imagination. We need to always go back to Scripture and understand the truth and the reality of who Jesus is in totality. And, and we also need to do that with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Understand all of that, okay? If we understand all of that, we can apply it virtuously to our lives, okay? If we only take God and, and parse him into pieces that we like or that we understand or that we, we know and, and can agree with, well, then we are creating God in our image. And that's a bad thing. Okay, so it's one thing this account can teach us about Jesus. Okay, so what does it teach us about our walk? I've got some scripture here that I'll, I'll pull up. This is from Matthew um, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 15 to 23. It says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn trees or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. By the way, who's saying this? Jesus is saying this, okay? A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Did we not see that just happen with the fig tree? In essence, yeah. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Um, This scripture is, in my mind, kind of a scary one, okay, because it says that... Being a Christian and having a Christian walk is not necessarily always what we want to think it is. Okay, Jesus talks about bearing fruit. There, there's been a lot of talk about Christians bearing fruit and things like that. It's one of those uh, one of those Christianish phrases we use all the time that Bill talked about a couple of weeks ago. You know, the 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 churchianity kind of kind of lexicon that we use that sometimes even we don't understand fully. Um, There has been some talk by folks, and there's a common thought that um, converted souls are fruit that you bear. Um, But I'm here to tell you that that is not your fruit, okay? God is the one who creates believers. It's not us. Um, There is fruit that we can bear, however. It's in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. And you've all probably read that. I didn't make a slide for it. But those are the kind of things that we can try to manifest in our lives but they are manifest most powerfully when they're manifested by the Holy Spirit working through us. And that's when it becomes something that is of God and not of us. Um, and and now I'm getting ready to go off on a tangent that's totally different from what we're talking about here, so I'll back off. Um, we could talk about that kind of thing all day long. Uh, you know, what are we doing in the flesh? What are we doing by the Spirit? Okay, so this talks about our walk. Um, oh, and the the... the other thing that, that people talk about often is that fig tree is sort of a, um, a picture of the Church of Israel, the nation of Israel, as it was growing, um, and they had had a lot of trappings of religion around them, but yet they did not really know God. Um, and And people have taken that uh, that fig tree to be a symbol of our own walk. You know, does our walk have just leaves? Just the trappings, just the look, okay, the fake credibility. Is that what we're about, or are we bearing fruit? And what happened to that fig tree is what we have to look forward to, depending on how we answer that question, okay? So, what does this teach us about prayer? Um, I've got a few verses here on prayer. Um, There's a lot of talk about prayer in the Bible. Um, But let's just run through some of these. Okay, Matthew 6 says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Okay, so prayer is not something that's to be out there as a badge of honor or anything like that. That's not what it's about. Okay? Um, We need to be careful of that, because sometimes uh, this little notion gets in our minds when it comes to praying in groups, okay, when we have a, a family group or whatever going. And I would echo Rick's uh, urgency that, that you need to be part of a family group, okay? That is how we stay connected. That's how we learn even more about what life in Christ is all about. And it's a place where we can serve, okay? You know, we, we think often about our ministries here at Family Bible Churches as things we go out and do stuff for people. But we very often don't think about how we can do stuff for our own people. And we're called to do that first. So family groups are also a place that you can serve. So I would encourage you to join one. Uh, I would really encourage you to join mine, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Um, But anyway, you know, sometimes when we're together in um, a group and we're praying aloud as a group, we won't do it, okay? Because there's a fear there. We... We think that prayer needs to be some lofty thing, it needs to be fancy, it needs to have special words, Um, you need to say thee and thou, you know, stuff like that. That's not true, okay? That's fake. That's that scripture right there. That's standing up before men and praying. That's not what it's about. When you're with the group and and you have an urge to pray to the Father with the group, just talk. Just talk to God. Uh, That's really all it's about, and that's what Jesus wants us to do. Number two there, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That is Jesus talking in his prayer to the Father before he goes to um, the cross. And I, I wanted to put that one up there because it's interesting that Jesus says what he's not praying about. Okay? He's not asking us to be relieved of our pain. He's not asking God to remove the hard times from us. He's not asking God to make it easy. Okay? Instead, he's asking for our protection from the evil one. So the point is that Jesus knew what really needed to be prayed for. And this is something I struggle with all the time. You know, we have our prayer uh, group here at the church that uh, you're welcome to uh, submit prayer requests to. You're welcome to join to be a prayer... Pray you're with them. Um, but we, we take prayer seriously here. We want to be known as a house of prayer. Uh, there's a scripture that's not on here where Jesus before, um, or as he's, you know, thrashing the, the merchants in the temple and driving them out with this, you know, cat and nine tails that he made. There's that judge again. Okay. there's another example. Um, he said that the scripture says, I will have a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. So we, here at Family Bible Church, want to be a house of prayer. So we take prayer seriously, and, and we try to to do it uh, in a meaningful and passionate way. But what I find myself struggling with sometimes is, am I really praying the right thing? Okay? We, we get prayer requests, um, and, and very many times we, we feel like we know what we want, but is it the right thing. Okay? And I'll just... I'll just give you an example. Somebody may be a dear friend of ours, a family member, um, who is not saved, does not know Jesus, who is not uh, a child of God. We want very desperately for them to be one. And they're going through a very hard time. Okay, And our prayer, very simplistically, as a knee-jerk reaction, might be, Lord, deliver them from that hard time. When in fact that hard time may be exactly what they need to see the God revealed to them. So are we praying the right prayer if we ask God remove that pain from them? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, but the point here is that sometimes what we need to pray may or may not be the real, real thing we need to pray about. Okay? And Jesus knew the difference. And I think that's kind of important. Okay, number three there, and this is my prayer. This is uh, Paul talking. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Okay? I put that up there just as an example of some really cool things to pray for that we know are right. Okay? We know it's right for, for God's people to have more knowledge and more depth of insight. Can you go wrong with that prayer? No. You cannot go wrong with that prayer. So I thought that was kind of a cool one. Uh, Next one there, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, Philippians 4, 6. Uh, The key thing about that one is do not be anxious about anything, okay? As we go on in the the discussion about what Jesus was teaching his disciples and then teaching us through generations is the be anxious about nothing thing, okay? Just keep that in mind as we move forward. Um, And then I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. That speaks to our heart condition when we're in prayer. Okay? There's a very close connection between our heart condition and our prayer effectiveness and prayer life. Okay? And then in James, I've got a couple of verses here from James. Uh, James 4, and, and this kind of gets to the question that we often ask after reading the, <clears throat> the scripture about the um, fig tree. When Jesus says, Ask anything and it will be given to you, okay, our first reaction is, What? That ain't true, because I've asked and it didn't happen. Has that happened to anybody? I want to see a show of hands. Yeah, that's happened. We've asked and not gotten, not received. So maybe our first reaction to that earlier scripture is, no, that ain't true, okay? But I think the answer is here in James, where it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it, okay? There it is. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. I didn't have a highlighter. I couldn't highlight the you in there, okay? You cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive. Here's the answer. Because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Those are powerful words. Okay? It's not like you can do both. I'm I'm just here to tell you. You can't do both. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. It's one or the other. And, and it's one of those things that is a constant, constant battle, as he says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's a battle. Okay, that is raging all the time in us. Are we servants of God or are we friends of the world? That's a question we need to continuously ask ourselves because that will shape our heart condition as well. And then further along in James in chapter 5 it says, Is any anyone of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Now, as I'm reading that, I'm asking myself, will make the sick person well? It didn't say it would cure his sickness. I'm just saying, okay? Um, The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. So prayer can be a very powerful, powerful thing. But I would caution you not to look at prayer as the thing that's powerful. The thing that's powerful is the one answering the prayer. Again, I'm just saying. Okay? The prayer is not powerful. God Almighty is powerful. He allows us to participate in his activities, which is just awesome. Praise God for that. Okay. Okay. All right, and then what does this account teach us about our faith or our heart? Um, And I think this is the crux of this lesson that Jesus was trying to teach us. He was teaching about prayer, sort of. He was really teaching us about faith. Okay, because if you notice, he said, if you pray in faith, your prayers will be answered. Okay, and in some of those other scriptures we had about prayer, faith, was a critical element. Okay, so I contend that this teaching that Jesus had for his disciples and for us is more about our faith than it is about prayer. Okay, prayer is just a happy byproduct of solid, secure, genuine, earnest, thorough faith. Okay? And by the way, you can contest me on any of this, okay? I'm just a guy, um, and I'd love to talk with you about it um, because God speaks through all of us, and we all learn from each other. Okay, so what's the point? What, what's the big deal? First of all, everything that Christ did throughout his ministry, throughout his life, pointed to the Father, okay? When we think about uh, when Jesus healed people, okay, What happened to those people that got healed? Uh, Do we ever read about them again? No. They just go away. Okay? What was the purpose for God healing those people? Was it so they could be healed? No. The purpose for healing those people was to point to the Father. Okay? Jesus healed people so that they would know, so that the people who observed it, the people who watched it, knew that the Father had sent him. And that's what it says in Scripture okay that was the purpose for those healings was to point to the Father our tendency when we look at promises that God makes in the Bible is okay so what's in it for me you know and I'm guilty of it I won't ask for a show of hands this time but but I'm guilty of it you know that I look at it as what's in it for me you know when you hear promises like at the end of the scripture on uh, on the fig tree you know you can tell this mountain to be moved and it will do so you know and and you can do this you can do that and and we focus on the what can I do, you know, so I can do some really cool stuff. I could maybe even be on the Avengers, you know, if I could do this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, we've all got our dreams, right? Um, but the, the latex doesn't, doesn't flatter me, so I'm not going to go there. Um, but anyway, we ask, what's in it for me, you know? What, what do I get out of it? How can I benefit from God's promise? And that's kind of how we tend to look at it. That's natural, okay? That's human nature, okay? And what does human nature mean? Sinful nature. I'm just saying, okay? The human nature is the sinful nature. And so it's, it's common for us to think that way. That's the atom in each one of us that makes us think that way, okay? But we are transformed. Children of God, we are transformed. We don't have to be like that child of Adam any longer. We don't have to respond to the sinful nature just because it's natural. Okay, again, Holy Spirit was sent down to help us to to overcome that. So, we need to get beyond what's in it for me. God's promises will always result in his glorification. Okay, you can count on that. God will be glorified when his promises are fulfilled. Okay, when his promises are fulfilled, it's not because we're going to get something. It's because God's going to be glorified. Okay, the emphasis, as I said before, in this little teaching that Jesus had for his disciples is less on prayer, more on what is our faith. So, the question, is our faith aligned with truth? Okay, now we get to the so what. Okay, so what. Um, If these teachings didn't matter, if they weren't important, if they didn't have some substance to them, if it didn't uh, cause something to happen for us, they, you know, why bother doing it? It would be like reading a novel or something. You know? It would be useless. Okay? But we know that's not true. We know that's not what Scripture is about. We know that there's a reason for it, and so we need to ask ourselves, so what? In our effort to become more Christ-like, we need to remember how He continuously pointed to the Father. Okay? What we can do as a church is continually point to Jesus, who also points to the Father, okay? We need to be focused elsewhere other than just on ourselves, okay? You recall the saying that John the Baptist had. He said, I must decrease, you must increase, okay? That's the key, okay? We need to take the emphasis off ourselves. It's not about us, okay? So what do we have faith in? What's this faith thing? Faith is another one of those terms that gets bandied about in churches a lot, and we kind of go, faith, okay, check, I got it, okay, but let's think about it, you know, do we really understand what faith is, okay, what do we have faith in, okay, we, a lot of people say, well, I have faith in Jesus, and, and what they mean is, I believe Jesus existed, okay, it, it's more than that, it's not just, I believe Jesus existed, I mean, I believe Albert Einstein existed, okay? Um, But, you know, I don't worship him. Do we know God and his nature, especially as demonstrated through Christ? That's another thing Christ did. He was a mirror uh, into the nature of God, or a lens into the nature of God. We could see what God God is like, his personality. First of all, we know God's a person, right? Not a cloud up there, okay? I mean, a cloud's got all kinds of new connotations. That's where we store all our music, you know. But, but God is not a cloud up there. God is a person, okay? God the Father is a person. And Jesus came to earth as a man to live as a person to help us understand that even better. And, and one of the things we need to know is what God's nature is. What's he like? Okay, why do we need to know that? Well, what's the first line up there? Our efforts become more Christ-like. How do you become like somebody if you don't know what they're like? You can't, okay? So do we know God and his nature? Do we have faith in him and what he says? Do we really believe it? Do we believe it from our guts? Um, You know, I guess that's the question. We can say I believe it intellectually, kind of. Um, The problem with that is that if we say we believe it intellectually, as soon as our intellect is challenged... In my case, that happens a lot. As soon as it's challenged, we waver. You know, we go, "Uh, I'm not so sure. Okay, so is that faith? No. You know, intellectual knowledge is not faith. It's got to be visceral, which is just a really cool word I was dying to use. Okay, your faith has got to be visceral. Um, Do we have faith in our relationship with him? Okay, now that we, we think we understand God, we know his nature, uh, we know what God's about, what's our relationship with him? Okay, and that is crucial. You have to have that relationship. Okay, if you don't, then it's God and you. What did we say earlier? You're either a friend of God or a friend of the world. Okay, if you're a friend of God, then you have a relationship with him. Are you confident in that relationship do you trust in it? Do you stand by it unwaveringly to include those times when things aren't going so hot? Okay? Is that relationship still there? Is it still strong? Do you still rely upon it? Those are just questions. Okay? So, it's about our faith. And and is our faith truly grounded? Is it strong? Is it informed? Okay? That's why we come to church. That's why we do family groups. That's why we have prayer breakfast. That's why we do those kind of things, is to ground our faith. Okay? Our faith has got to be grounded, well-grounded. If it's not, we're going to find ourselves in trouble, and our faith will be tested. And beyond that, if we don't have that faith, will we be able to tell the mountain to be cast into the sea, and it'll happen? No. Okay? So it is more about the faith. It's not about throwing mountains into the sea. Okay? Okay? What does that accomplish? Okay, you can make a new city, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it's about our faith. That's the key. And our faith is not just individually, but it also uh, refers to the corporate body known as the body of Christ. You know, we have a collective faith as well. And we need to understand what that is. We need to proclaim it. We need to practice it. Okay, when that happens, then, with the empowering of the Holy Spirit, Things will happen that we would not have even imagined or dreamed. And God will be glorified when his promises are fulfilled. So, that leaves us with, what should we be asking for boldly as a church and as people? Okay? That's all I got, except we'll conclude this with um, a little musical interlude. Um, I'm not going to sing so don't everybody get up and leave. But uh, I have a a video here that that I got because it's a song that I think speaks powerfully to this concept, this notion of people praying boldly. Okay, and I don't know if I do it with this or what. Here it is. What if the armies of the Lord picked up and dusted off their swords? to set the captive free and not let Satan have one more. What if the church for heaven's sake finally stepped up to the plate, took a stand upon God's promise and storm hell's rusty caves? What if his people That's real talent. Tell me if we close with prayer one more time here. Lord Father, again, I, I praise you and I bless you and honor you. Thank you for being my Father and my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, my all. Thank you, Lord, for, for teaching us. Thank you for taking the time, Jesus, uh, out of your day to provide lessons to your disciples that we can take advantage of, that we can learn from. I pray that we do learn it, that it becomes real in our hearts and minds and our souls, and that it would take root and manifest itself in your glory throughout our lives, wherever we happen to be, with our families, with our coworkers, with our friends, even when we're all by ourselves. I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.